Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for downloading the show and everybody who's tossed a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate that as well. You can also find all the podcast episodes in the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit, which has been up for a couple of weeks now, continues to be updated daily, got fresh rankings and content in there all the time, all throughout the month of August. We're keeping you up to date with all the latest news coming out of training camps. And on today's show, we're going to hit on a couple of the big news items that have come out over the last few days here. But the main focus of today's episode is going to be to preview the quarterback position with our guest, Jamie Eisenberg, CBS Sports. You can find all his content over there, including the Fantasy Football Today podcast. You should also be following him on Twitter, at Jamie Eisenberg. Let's get him in here. Jamie, welcome back to the show, man. Tell me, how you been? How's the early part of the training camp season treating you so far? Uh, first off, thanks for having me, Justin. It's good to talk to you. Uh, I've been good, uh, thankfully. Uh, everybody's everybody's good here. And, um, you know, so far, so good. It's been, uh, you know, unfortunately for, for, for Tim Patrick truthers, it's not been good. But um, otherwise, you know, for the most part, it's been an exciting start to, uh, start to the 2022 campaign. And you are speaking to one of the Tim Patrick truthers here as well. Maybe the biggest Tim Patrick truther, yeah. but we'll, we'll talk a little more about that in a second here. I want to start off with the Deshaun Watson suspension. And truly, I don't want to start off with the Deshaun Watson suspension, but we've been talking about the lead up to this for so long. Finally, on Monday, it came down. Judge Sue Robinson recommended a six-game ban for Watson. And we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. The NFL still has a chance to appeal the ruling here. Even if they do, though, they can't introduce any new information. So they would have to make their case based on the evidence that's already been submitted the NFLPA, Watson side, they already said they don't plan on appealing. So, Jamie, the reaction was pretty strong to this news. It doesn't seem like it was enough of a punishment, but we don't have to go too far into that aspect of things. You can feel free to comment if you want. I definitely think that they got it wrong with just a six-game ban, but this is a fantasy show, and even though fantasy really doesn't matter at all when you're talking about a case like this, I also understand that people are tuning in for advice on how to approach their drafts and how to build their rosters. So feel free to give your thoughts on the suspension if you want. But I also want to know how you think the shorter suspension here is going to impact the Browns skill position players for fantasy. I would agree. I I don't think that the suspension is long enough. And and I hope that Roger Goodell does adjust it to whatever degree. But uh, like you said, you know, we're we're fantasy analysts. That's not our our job to... uh, to dissect that from an on-field standpoint, I mean, obviously this is uh, th- this is clearly a positive for the Browns' offense because the last thing you know you want to see is a Jacoby Brissett-led offense. Uh, clearly, Watson is a much more capable football player and quarterback. I I think for his fantasy value, you know, you approach it as I, I approach the position as I'm going to always swing for the fences in a one-quarterback league because it's the easiest position to find replacement options. You're not going to find a top five guy on waivers unless something just completely ridiculous happens, uh, which we have seen from time to time. But clearly you could find a capable starter. Uh, it's also an easy position to draft two guys. Uh, you know, unless everyone in your league takes two quarterbacks early, you know, you're probably going to have the luxury of drafting Deshaun Watson and then maybe pairing him with somebody very good like a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, uh, Matthew Stafford, Jameis Winston, you know, Justin Fields. There's a lot of high-end number two quarterbacks that can certainly hit and be top 10 caliber players. So you should be able to manage the first six weeks. And then when Watson does return, if he's the same player, you're getting a top tier fantasy option. 
really the only guys that that changed for me because I don't think the running backs changed dramatically either way. Whoever the quarterback is, whoever long is going to be, because I think the system and the offensive line is tried and true. Uh, clearly, there's higher ceilings with Deshaun Watson under center than there is with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, but Amari Cooper's value goes from what I would say is you know a, a mid-tier number three receiver to a borderline you know top twenty kind of uh, top twenty receiver. And then, you know, it makes me a little bit more interested in Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell when he's healthy, uh, more so in Dynasty and, and, and long-term keeper leagues, and then David Njoku as well, you know. So Watson's presence bumps up the guys that, that certainly matter in the passing game. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on the, the player takes there and all the skill position players. I think you hit it bang on. I could say personally, I haven't drafted Watson at all this year. Same. And over the last couple of days since the ruling... I had multiple chances to take him at pretty good values based on where I think his ADP is going to end up. And even on teams where I really needed a quarterback for my build and I just couldn't do it. I can't have this guy on my roster. And I know some people will point to the Tyreek Hills and the Joe Mixons or other players who have had off field issues who we still have on teams. And, you know, we still talk about on, on the show a bunch and pointing that out. It isn't wrong. I, I really, I don't know where to draw the line here. If anybody out there thinks they have the, the answer on how to approach this, please let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. But I don't really judge anybody else who wants to draft these players. I just think everyone plays fantasy the way they want to play it. And for me, that's not rostering Watson this season and maybe ever. But in general, I try to shy away from guys who have really bad off-field issues. And it's not an ideal approach. I mean, you have to look at it case by case and there's people out there who can make a mistake and then mature and apologize for the things they've done and, you know, show some real contrition for making that one mistake maybe when they were younger. But I think there's a big difference between that and what appears to be based on the facts that have come out and based on Judge Sue Robinson's findings, kind of predatory behavior that, that Watson was engaging in. So I don't have the perfect answer for how to balance a player's questionable decisions and their actions in their personal life with their fantasy value. All I can say is, it makes me less excited to play fantasy this year when I know somebody like Watson and you kind of outlined it. He's going to be in the mix. He's probably going to be on a lot of fantasy playoff rosters. I just can't root for him, Jamie. I get it. You know, and, and we have these conversations, you know, as fantasy analysts, as human beings. Um, you know, I, I know there was some talk uh, once upon a time when, when Adrian Peterson had his situation um with with his child you know do you even remove him and take him out of the 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 player pool uh because you don't want to have people to make this decision it's uh it's tough it's certainly tough and i think it's safe to say nobody's perfect um you know and so it's a matter of how how much of a a threshold you have for for people and and the things that they do and and obviously in the case of of watson the things that he not necessarily is guilty of in, in in a in a court but clearly, the uh, the court of public opinion, and, and obviously the uh, the ruling of of Judge Robinson, and the fact that he's settling cases, there, there's clearly a lot that has gone on here uh, for a person that that is probably deeply troubled. Um, but in any event, you know, when you're just looking at what what the player is and, and how that means to your how how you approach fantasy football, that's just something that everybody personally has to make. And like I said, it's case by case because I recognize there's some hypocrisy to this stuff because Alvin Kamara. He's got a legal case looming over him, and yet I have been drafting Kamara, and now it's a totally different situation entirely. I mean, Kamara was involved in a fight. He's being charged for his role in that brawl, and he had his case heard on Monday. It got pushed back again, so now they won't reconvene until the end of September, and most of the legal analysts in the sports world, at least, are suggesting that there's a pretty good chance here that it's going to continue to get pushed back and that 
Kamara probably won't face a suspension until next year, but it's kind of up in the air, right? Especially because, and we've talked about this in the show over the summer. I mean, uh, Drew Davenport, a football guy, he's been all over this. I think he does a really good job. I recommend people follow him. You know, he's talked about how there's this video that apparently exists of the incident and Kamara is, according to the police, doing exactly what has been accused in the video. He's allegedly pushed this guy and he was involved in roughing the guy up and he threw multiple punches on the individual. So if that video does exist and if it gets leaked, the league would probably have to act at that point. If Kamara settles the case or he takes a plea deal, that could lead to the NFL reacting in season. But for me, I just try to trust, you know, some of these analysts like Drew Davenport, like Jordan McNamara, who we've had on the show a bunch, uh, Analytics of Dynasty, these people that have law backgrounds, and they both seem to be leaning towards Kamara, probably avoiding suspension this year. And that's led me to draft Kamara in the third, even fourth round sometimes in some of these drafts the last couple months. Are you willing to take the risk there, Jamie? I mean, what's your outlook on Kamara now? Yeah, I, I, I think you have to... Uh take the risk, you know, to use your phrase of that he's going to play uh, the majority of the season. I mean, the the precedent would be Ezekiel Elliott's suspension, you know, when he had the six game, you know, deal that happened in the middle of the year, you know, so there's certainly that could happen if, if the case does get settled or, or as you said, he accepts a plea deal, whatever the outcome may be uh, in the middle or the end of September. But the way that is trending and, and like you said, there are a lot of, you know, great out analysts and, and legal and fantasy analysts and legal analysts and, and, and the ones that do both. Um, making light of what the, the the most likely outcome could be is that it's probably a 2023 situation. So for people in dynasty leagues, you know, again to to steer the conversation back to fantasy, you know, you might want to be selling um, unless you're a contender. But for for redraft leagues, uh, I think if you're getting him in round three or round four, uh, it's a steal. Now, my guess is his, his ADP will probably settle uh, in the middle of round two. You know, in some cases maybe the high, you know, early part of round two. Um, I don't think he creeps back into round one. Uh, the the players that I struggle with ranking around Kamara are Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift, and, and you you probably understand why because of what their roles should be in the passing game. My concern with Kamara is, as we saw at the end of last season when Mark Ingram was brought in, that his rushing production you know went a little bit in a different direction, and now you have much more significant pass catchers on the field than he's ever had to deal with. Same thing with Michael Thomas because Thomas is back, Chris Olave obviously is a prize rookie and, and Jarvis Landry is a proven veteran. So um, will he still be as elite as he has been as he continues to get older with competition in the backfield? So I think those are really war- more of the concerns as opposed to will he miss time because it seems like it's trending in the right direction from a playing standpoint. Yeah, having all those new sets of hands in that Saints offense, it does kind of change things. And I know I've talked a lot about that with the, the Michael Thomas situation. He's coming back to a much different offense, and it does impact Kamara as well in, in terms of targets. I, I think you nailed it there. One more piece of news here I want to talk about before we get to the, the quarterback preview, and you already kind of spoiled it. It's the injuries, and it's the big one on Tim Patrick. We've had a couple guys go down here. We have a Van Jefferson of the Rams. He's undergoing knee surgery. That puts his week one status in doubt. We have James Washington on the Cowboys. He broke his foot. He's going to be out for a couple months now. Could be some opportunity there for the rookie Jalen Tolbert or Noah Brown, or maybe the Cowboys bring somebody else in to serve in that role until Michael Gallup's back in the second half of the season. But the biggest injury by far, it happened on Tuesday. It was Patrick suffered that season ending ACL tear in practice, just an awful turn of events for him. And for a player who 
we've highlighted countless times on the show a guy who's been putting up better numbers than people realize over the last couple seasons and who was getting that quarterback upgrade this year and apparently really jiving with Russell Wilson. So it could have been some really nice stats for him again this season. Just the worst. So we wish him a clean recovery, but now this could free things up for some of those other members of that Broncos passing attack. So Jamie, help us break this down here. How do you see the Patrick injury changing the, the fantasy values for these guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Albert O and everybody in that Broncos attack? Sutton was my favorite one, um, just given his his resume already and the role that he was going to play. I actually got a chance to speak with him in March. He trains at a place that I, I go and usually speak to a lot of guys there. It's called XP Sports in, in South Florida. And he's one of the you know athletes that is usually there. He's been there since the combine. They do a lot of great job with combine training. And so you know we kind of went point by point through almost every player on the roster. You know you listed a, a, most of them there. And he was so excited about Tim Patrick. Um, you know the and and he actually brought him up unsolicited. You know I was asking about himself and asking about Judy. And he said he was so happy that you know Patrick got his his contract because of you know how he's come to the NFL. You know clearly a much different route than Sutton and Judy. Um, but I do think that Sutton profiles as the type of guy that Russell Wilson will lean on the most. I thought that Patrick was going to kind of be the underrated guy. I think we all kind of felt that way in the fantasy community um, because of Judy and, and the pedigree and everybody, you know, chasing the hope that Russell Wilson unleashes him. And now this should happen uh, a little bit easier for Judy because as we saw last year, I don't know if it was going to be the same thing because obviously new coach and, and, and certainly new quarterback, new style of play that everything was going to you know, change in Denver. But, you know, Judy was essentially the third receiver from a playing time standpoint. Uh, when he was on the field, you know, he was certainly uh, heavily targeted, understandably so. Uh, but in two receiver sets, he wasn't playing as much as Patrick was. And so now he's probably going to be on the field. I don't think they're going to force Hamler in there. I think they still want to ease Hamler back in after the injury situation that he has. So, you know, Judy is somebody for me that I, I kind of struggle with in the range of, I don't know how you have these guys ranked, but uh, Gabriel Davis, Rashad Bateman, Darnell Mooney, you know, um, Juju. Uh, it's those guys that are going anywhere in round five, round six that have so much upside, so much potential, uh, but you can see some of the flaws and, you know, it's probably easier to say Judy may be ahead of those guys now, uh, with the opportunity to see more targets, but, uh, Sutton is, is ahead of that group for me. He's, he's around four pick and I think he's going to have just a tremendous season. Uh, Hamler's definitely, you know, more on the radar now than ever before. Uh, because the one thing Sutton told me was he said, if you like watching Russ to Tyler Lockett, now go from four, four speed to four, two speed. And so we'll see a lot of deep shots, but I think he's more of a DFS play than he is a, a redraft kind of guy. And then the tight ends, I think, might cannibalize themselves a little bit. Obviously, I'd rather take a chance on Albert O before Dolchich, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if both those guys kind of eat away at each other a little bit. And then we'll see if they use the running backs a little bit more in the in the passing game. Yeah, so unfortunate. I know you, you mentioned, you know, Sutton talking about Patrick. I always reference back to, and it was such a small thing, but the first interview that Russell Wilson did after the trade, the very first receiver that he brought up was Tim Patrick. It wasn't Sutton. It wasn't Judy who everybody yeah. would have expected. It was Tim Patrick. So he really liked what he saw from him as well. Uh, all right, let's get to the quarterback preview. We'll probably touch on Russ at some point here, but I try to keep these quarterback preview episodes as straightforward as possible each year when we do these, because I want to give people a good overview of the position and how they should attack it. So uh, let's start with you, Jamie. Just go over your, your general approach, your general strategy when you're drafting a fantasy quarterback this year. And you don't have to name specific players. We're going to talk about a bunch of them as we go here, I'm sure. But when you do pull the trigger on a quarterback, when do you normally do it? Is it different this year than most years? Or have you had kind of a, a similar approach that you tend to lean on most seasons? Uh, well, I'm an old guy, so I've been doing this a long time. Um, <laughs> and it, it's always been my, my best approach is just to wait it out. 
um, I always think you know value presents itself. You always want to jump in and and pull the trigger on on a quarterback. You know, even if you're the first one doing it. I'm I'm thankful it's it's still not fully reflective of it, but I'm thankful that you know I think the general fantasy player, uh, the, the the I don't want to say the novice, but I, I think just the the average fantasy player is is realizing that you can wait on the position. But there's always somebody in every league that pulls the trigger a little bit too soon. For me, it's usually waiting. Um, I'm always going to try and target you know the the three or four guys that I think have the chance to certainly exceed their average draft position and and, and fall in that breakout category. Uh, but I think value is value, you know, and so if you Target, you know, guys in a tier, uh, you know, so you get past tier one, you know, okay, who's the end of tier two, who's the end of tier three, et cetera. And so just jump in at that point when you start to see if, if, if you buy into, you know, seeing a run, you know, getting the run when it happens. But um, for me, it's always, okay, am I at the point in the draft where I don't like the running backs, receivers and tight ends on the board? And there's still plenty of quarterbacks. You know, that's typically when I'll start to, you know, my radar will start to go up and I'll start to maybe look look at, at quarterback. But it's usually late uh, for the most part. So it sounds like we're we're pretty similar. I've talked about mine. I mean, every year we've done this show, I've talked about my approach and it also hasn't changed that much. I normally wait. I try to pick those breakout candidates, like you said, normally kind of aim in like that eighth, ninth, you know, to 12th round, sort of that range when most of my lineups are already set. And then you try to find that next quarterback that could join the the elite or you know the high end fantasy producers. And in past years, I've gotten really lucky, and I'm sure you have as well. I mean, Mahomes the year he broke out, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. It's like each year we've had kind of one of these guys really blow up. And this year, I think there's somebody that fits the bill again. I don't want to spoil it just yet. We're going to talk about him in a second, but I will say that there are times in, and you kind of talked about it with the tiers. If I get stuck in a snake draft and it is round four to round seven or so, and it gets back to me and I really don't like any of my options at the other positions, if I don't think there's any value there, I will kind of look at quarterback and maybe spend up on one of those high-end guys. Just if I really don't like any of the targets that are out there when my pick comes up on the board in those rounds. But normally I want to aim for those breakout candidates and the bottom line, I think this year for me, it's just I want to make sure I get one of the top 12 quarterbacks, which normally isn't hard because if you're in a 12 team league, you normally get your starter before someone grabs their their first backup. Sometimes you could play that wrong, but normally it works out OK. But I think, you know, you can make a case for some of the guys QB 13 to QB 20 range, maybe even go a little deeper than that. But in a single quarterback league, I want one of the top 12 this year because I feel like they all have a path to high end production and I want that chance. Right. So. I think in that top 12, each one of those guys could really turn into that that really high-level producer. And I want that kind of upside when you're talking about a single quarterback league. Now, I, I teased it quite a bit. I mean, that puts even more importance on my next question here. Which quarterback is about to break out the season? If you want to mention a couple, you can. I'm curious if we're going to just talk about the exact same names here, because when you're talking about a position like quarterback, just one of the one-off positions, there's only so many guys that you could highlight for this. So I'll let you go first, Jamie. Who's your breakout guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the most obvious one, and I'm sure this is who you're alluding to, is Trey Lance. Yeah. Um, you know, he he fits the mold of everything that we look for as fantasy analysts, and hopefully he you know lives up to it. Uh, because of what he's able to do with his legs. You know, he had three significant appearances last year, two starts, and 31 or more rushing yards in those three games. And so you know what he does as an athlete, you know, based on what his, you know, profile was coming in. And I think if you were to put any quarterback, really, uh, in this system, with this offensive line and coach, with these weapons of Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, and, you know, a run game that's going to take some pressure off of him, he's got talent, he's got 
weapons. He's got system. You know, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the same type of player, you know, but he certainly has moments. But this is Jimmy Garoppolo on steroids, you know, if you're just looking at from where the, the ceiling can go. Uh, not the same player, but in terms of production. So, you know, he's the one of the guys that you mentioned. You know, I, I don't know if the hype will get out of control that his, you know, ADP just rises where those guys maybe necessarily didn't because now there's a sample size of almost every year. And, you know, even Jalen Hurts, if you want to put him as a breakout candidate again this year, I, I think he's, he still qualifies. But last year, you know, he was this guy too. That, you know, if he hits, you know, we could be looking at 4,000, 1,000. And anytime you have 1,000 yards rushing from your quarterback, uh, that's something that you want to gravitate towards. So yeah, he's he's the the breakout candidate at quarterback this year. Yeah, and people don't need to hear me talk more about Lance. This is definitely a, a pro Lance show, but I also point to the fact that I mean, remember the Shanahan system? It was in place back in the day in Washington when Robert Griffin he posted yep. a top five fantasy finish in his first season as starter, and it's kind of like so with Garoppolo, not the exact same type of player style and everything, but there are some similarities there, and it's really that's the kind of season we could be looking at from Lance and there'll be some bumps along the way. It's not all going to be perfect, but I also care a lot more about the things I'm hearing from his teammates, the things I'm hearing from the beat writers that are really plugged in as opposed to some of these retired players or some of the talking heads out there. Some of the people that are saying these really negative things about Lance. I just don't agree with it. I think we got to give him a little bit of time. And I think fantasy wise, especially we're going to see great results right out of the gate, even if he does kind of have to go over a, a few speed bumps. And there's some more. I, I do a, a breakouts column and a bus column. All that stuff can be found in our draft kit. But there are some other quarterbacks out there. Trevor Lawrence, you know, Tua, some guys that could really break out this season as well. They're a little further down. But for me, Lance is inside my top 10, and I think he's going to have a great season. What if we go the other way with it, Jamie? I hate doing the negative side of things, but if people want to know who to avoid. So which quarterback are you most worried about letting us down this year? This is uh this has hurt me each of the last two seasons, Uh-oh. but I, I'm gonna go back to the well again, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, it's uh it, it it's obviously a, a concern when you take Devonta Adams off the field, and I'm I'm happy that he's excited about his receiving core, and you know, joking that Alan Lazard is a Hall of Famer, you know, to counter what you know Devonta Adams said about their car. Um, but Christian Watson has yet to practice as we're recording this. Uh, Randall Cobb is 100 years old. Um, I like that Romeo Dubs is, you know, making some, you know, waves, but, you know, again, another rookie receiver, Robert Tunyon still on the pup list with his ACL tear. And look, Lazard, while, you know, falls into the breakout category as well, um, is still been, as he called him, Rogers called him their garbage guy. So I think the system will still help Rogers produce, you know, they throw in the red zone, his touchdowns should, should be fine. But, you know, we have a, a one year sample size of him when Jordy Nelson went down and it wasn't pretty. And I know it's, a, you know, 100 years ago and different coach. Everything's changed. He's a two time MVP, but he's still being drafted as a top 10 quarterback. And I just can't get behind that. Well, and also at this time of year, you look at it and you go, OK, well, they have all these different pieces and they could spread the ball around. What happens during the season when injuries strike? A couple guys get hurt and all of a sudden you don't even have the the roster that you thought you had. It's even worse than that, right? The the receiving core. So yep. that's kind of what scares me. I have Rodgers just as a, a fringe QB1 at this point as my QB12. I have him one spot ahead of the guy that I'm going to mention here is somebody that I'm worried about, and it's Matthew Stafford. I have some worries about this elbow issue and I talked yep. about it in the off season. He got that anti-inflammatory injection in the elbow, didn't throw at all. Now he's at training camp. They have him on a pitch count. Reportedly, he's feeling a little bit of pain in that elbow. And it's not that I'm worried about week one. I think they'll have him ready. He'll be out there for week one. So he should be out there against my bills, unfortunately. But if he's already experiencing these issues now, what happens if it bubbles up during the season? 
could it cause him to miss time, right? It's just really, really scary, especially for a quarterback who doesn't offer us anything with his legs. So if that arm starts to go, if it's not 100%, we could be in trouble. And in deep dynasty leagues and two quarterback superflex formats, you might want to think about stashing his backup, John Wolford, just in case. We haven't seen very much from Wolford in the NFL, but did have some decent rushing stats when he did get out there. There's other guys I'm worried about. I mean, a little worried about Dak as well. I mean, just losing these weapons, more guys going down. You know, Gallup not going to be back until later in the year. The defense better than it used to be. So Dak doesn't really have to air it out as much, maybe less shootouts for him. And he needs his rushing numbers to bounce back too. They were down a little bit last year. If the rushing numbers bounce back, he should be okay. But just some red flags there with Dak. That's why I have him outside of my top 10 as well. The next on my list here is sleepers and sleepers can be really tricky. It can cover a wide variety of players. A lot of people approach it differently. I think I lean more towards the, the deeper side of the sleeper candidates when I write up my column each year, but I'm curious who you have as your, your quarterback that you think fantasy managers might be sleeping on. Yeah. You know, and I agree with you. It's, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys that could be, you know, labeled as breakouts and, and, you know, I usually go by average draft position, you know, so the later that they're going, you know, I think they're more sleeper categories, uh, fall into sleeper category as well. But uh, the one for me that's the most intriguing is Justin Fields. And, you know, he can, again, be considered a breakout as well. But, uh, you know, you look at this, they, they did him no favors. You know, uh, yeah. Byron Pringle and Tajay Sharp and Vilas Jones Jr. aren't exactly the things that you wanted to see. You know, as much as you could say Darnell Mooney and, and Cole Komet are nice players, um, there's no real superstar talent at the receiver spot. You know, so you're asking Justin Fields to do a lot. But, again, we like these rushing quarterbacks. And you take his last six healthy starts. And he was averaging over 53 rushing yards per game in those starts. And so we know he has that in him. And so, again, another guy that can he be a 4,000, 1,000 type of guy? I think, again, that's asking a lot, but he certainly has that potential. And so for a team that's probably going to be chasing points on a weekly basis, he's going to be asked to do a lot of heavy lifting. As long as, you know, Darnell Mooney can met and maybe somebody else can step up, you know, it could be Montgomery out of the backfield. I think Justin Fields can end up being in the, in the quarterback one conversation, you know, a top 12 type of guy. So. Uh, I, I love just waiting him out, you know, and it's it's fun to pair him with other guys, I think, that fall in this category, you know, whether it's, uh, again, how you view them. But Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, you know, guys that have just immense potential. Uh, they're never exciting because, you know, you don't necessarily you don't get the rushing, um, but things have changed for them. You know, uh, Cousins getting a, a coaching upgrade and obviously still having great weapons and, and clearly Devontae Adams going to Derek Carr. So uh, for me, you know, again, going back to strategy, if I do wait it out uh, the way that I usually play. Um, these are three guys that I tend to, you know, gravitate toward. And I don't mind pairing two of them, depending on how many bench spots you have. Well, I like that approach. And I like what you said about fields. I, I think you nailed it, that he has the talent. And I don't think people talk about it enough. He has the talent to overcome the fact that they didn't get him any help, right? To kind of raise all boats there. So I'm excited to see him try to do it this year. And I hope he can pull it off. Uh, for my guy, we kind of already spoiled this one when we were talking about Alvin Kamara and we were looking at it in a, a negative way for Kamara, the fact that there's so many options in that offense. Now they've upgraded so many spots, but what about for Jameis Winston? I mean, he's coming back from the torn ACL seems to be on track in the recovery. He was practicing back in OTAs as well. So pretty good signs there for him. And last year, early in the season, he made two appearances in the top five for weekly fantasy scoring. I know it was these big touchdown games at a five touchdown game against the Packers at a four touchdown game against Washington so we saw the ceiling. That is the ceiling for him. It's nice to know that the ceiling exists there. And he was also doing that with that really depleted supporting cast, right? I think Marquez Callaway was his top receiver in most yep. of those games this year. And we already talked about it. 
you get Thomas back. And the reports on Thomas have been pretty positive. I was skeptical myself, but a lot of the beat writers seem to be really, really excited about how he's looked. You get the first round wideout in Olave. You get that trusty veteran in the slot in Landry. And I know it was skewed by the two big games, but Jameis's touchdown to interception ratio last year in the games he played, 14 to 3. And that would have put him on pace for 34 touchdowns, seven picks over a full 17 game season. And once again, that is not what I'm projecting for him this year, but it shows where his ceiling could be in this offense. So even if he fell short of that and threw 30 touchdowns or something, would still be a pretty good fantasy season for him. And I also think it's important to note that Sean Payton's departure, it's kind of mitigated by the fact that you have a lot of continuity in the coaching staff, that you have offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael there, that he's been in that role since 2009. So he kind of knows how things are going. Yes, it will change a little bit, but I think having that continuity across the coaching staff is going to be really important as well. So Jameis has a lot of potential in a pretty loaded offense. And if anyone's not sure which of those receiving options to really draft in fantasy, you could wait and grab Jameis and kind of see. Now, I would probably do that and I would pair him with someone else. Like Jamie said, I wouldn't just go out and get Jameis and think 100% for sure he's going to come through for you. But Jameis should be on that list in my mind of guys that, that you can grab late who could be a sleeper and who could come through for you. I think uh, one other factor to note, you mentioned it with Sean Payton's departure. You probably don't have the Taysom Hill experiment anymore, you know, whether he's healthy or not. And I know they're moving into tight end. I think no matter what Sean Payton would designate him at, they would still put him in on some of those goal line packages that take Jameis off the field, whether he's throwing a touchdown or clearly handing it off to, you know, one of the backs. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You know, I don't think P. Carmichael is going to get cute with that. And certainly Dennis Alamo. All right, almost done here, Jamie. What about any really, really deep sleepers? Quarterback isn't the best position for this, but I try to keep the questions kind of mirrored in all these position preview episodes. So any really, really deep sleepers if we're talking about, you know, two QB super flex leagues, somebody way down the list that you're thinking about? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, the, the name that jumps out is Daniel Jones. Um, you know, and, and again, it probably makes a lot of people puke when you think about it because he's been <laughs> so disappointing. But, you know, and you can only make so many excuses year after year, but he's dealt with so many injuries to his receivers. He's dealt with a terrible offensive line. He's lost Saquon Barkley and he's really had inept play callers. And so, you know, you don't want to get overexcited about the things that you see in training camp, you know, especially if you're just watching a video clip here or there. Uh, but everybody that's been to Giants camp has just been raving about the system and how aggressive it looks and how, you know, you're seeing more, you know, pre-snap motion and, and guys just doing different things that they haven't seen. And, and this offensive line should be completely revamped and better. And Barkley looks to be rejuvenated and better. And Kadarius Tony and Wondell Robinson, you know, with if they get anything out of Sterling Shepard, who once again is hurt, or Kenny Galladay, you know, could make this just a fun offense to watch. And then he adds the element with his legs. And so, you know, look, he, he's been a punchline, you know, from Dave Gettleman reaching for him to the tripping over himself while he had the big run a couple of years ago. There's a lot of jokes to make at Daniel Jones' expense, understandably so. But he does have the things that we gravitate toward because he could be a 500-yard rusher. He could be a 3,500, if not better, passer. Uh, he could also get replaced if they decide to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> you know, so you have that, you know, factor to deal with. But, you know, in, in a 2QB league, he's typically the third guy that I target. He's my third quarterback in the fishbowl, for example. He's also my um, third quarterback in the fishbowl. Nice. Yeah, you know, I, I just think there's there are certainly things to like. He's going to have to, uh, you know, overcome some of the, the negative, you know, stigmas about him. But I think this is the year it's going to happen. 
Yeah, and there's a couple teams that are getting these massive coaching upgrades, I think. Not for sure, but from what I'm projecting, the Giants are definitely one of them. A lot of faith in Brian Dable coming over there and running the show. And the Vikings are another one, another team that's going from, you know, kind of maybe more of a, a old school offense to now more of a an up-tempo, you know, maybe a little more pass-heavy approach. Could see some more stats in both of those offenses this year. All right, I want to put you through just a little rapid-fire section before we leave. So quick answers only. You can give a little context for each one if you want, but we're not going to go nearly as far in-depth with these as we did with some of the other questions. First up, what round would you take your first quarterback off the board in a single QB redraft league? If you were going to go high, how early would you go? Round three maybe four i'll say round four round four but only if josh allen's still there all right who wins the steelers quarterback job trubisky who wins the seahawks quarterback job geno smith hold on i gotta throw up <laughs> that one that one is a little tougher i'm kind of hoping i've said this on the show that i'm hoping somehow jimmy garoppolo can end up in seattle and kind of save us from the geno smith drew lock year but We'll see. It might be tough for that to happen. Uh, can Jacoby Brissett offer any fantasy value while Deshaun Watson is suspended? By himself or, or just himself? No. The thing I think that he will do is he will help Kareem Hunt the most as a pass catching back. All right. And then the big one to end on here, factoring in ADP, who is the one quarterback who will lead fantasy managers to a title this season? You, you, you just mentioned them when we were talking about system. I, I take a lot of Kirk Cousins. Uh, and again, that probably makes people queasy, but I love, I love the coaching change. You know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of aggressive first down passing, a lot of second and one where they would run the ball and, you know, everybody knew it was coming. They're going to throw and take shots. Uh, I think this is an incredible receiving core. No surprise with, uh, Justin Jefferson, but I really love KJ Osborne and I hope Herb Smith, you know, when you, when you started the show about news, that's an unfortunate one also with the thumb injury. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of the three receivers, the running back and the tight end, they have, you know, top tier players across the board. And Cousins has been an underrated fantasy quarterback when he's been in a bad system. And now I think he's going to be a potential star in a good system. Yeah, I keep trying to move him up in my rankings, but it, it's really tough. There's so many good quarterbacks up at the top. I think for me, as far as the, the league winner goes, it's Lance, who we talked about. And the other one who I think is going a little bit later than some of those high-end guys, but I think could have an even higher ceiling than people realize is Russell Wilson. Even with Tim Patrick not there, I think, you know, Lance and Wilson both have great supporting casts, both have that rushing upside, and both are, are new starters on teams, which often I think leads fantasy managers to to not realize the potential that they could have or just how high that potential could be just since they haven't seen him do it before with that team or in Lance's case ever. And hopefully we're going to see it this year, but I'm calling it there. That's all for today's show. Like we said off the top, go follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. He is one of the best in the business. We always appreciate him making time for us. Jamie, thank you so much, man. Anything else you're working on? Anything you want to direct people towards before we finish up here? Uh, sure. Uh, we have our show on CBS Sports HQ. It's our live streaming network. You can find it by going to cbsports.com. Uh, but it's a 24-hour sports network, and our fantasy show, Fantasy Football Today, is on noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. And then once the season starts, we're on Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern. It's a great cast of characters. We bring in a lot of our NFL talent. Um, and, you know, right now we're getting a lot of insight from, from camp, training camp. And uh, Thursday's show, uh, which is August 4th. Uh, we have Austin Eckler joining us, so it should be a fun conversation there. Nice, nice. Love seeing the players get really into fantasy, and Eckler's definitely leading the charge among players these days. Uh, good stuff. As for us, I will say one more time, go check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. 
We'll probably do a mailbag episode soon, but if you have any questions for me, you can always come find me on Twitter at Justin Boone. I'll be back Friday with the running back preview show, but until then, big thanks again to Jamie. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.